Pere, and welcome to Her Story of Estonia podcast. The history of Estonia, like everywhere else in the world, is a story typically dominated by men. Today, my guest, a young lady who studies Estonian history, Tara Godwin, and I will talk about and celebrate the life of Lydia Koidula on International Women's Day. Tara is an incoming PhD student at The Ohio State University for the fall of 2023, where she will study Estonian women's history. She completed her undergraduate degree at the University of Utah. She won the Marriott Library Thesis Award for her honors capstone, Gender and National Identity, the historical memory of Soviet-era ethnic Estonian and ethnic Russian women. The origins of this episode was a rather unscientific Twitter poll. I posed the question, Estonian history, like most of world history, are male-dominated stories. Who would it be if one focused on a specific Estonian female historical figure to study and create an episode for? Many deserving women were mentioned, and it is a rather dubious proposition to put one Estonian woman above all else. Still, to make this well-deserved episode, we are going with the most popular suggestion, and that, of course, is Lydia Koidula. Tara Tere, and welcome to Her Story of Estonia podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. You were one of the participants in this poll. You also graciously volunteered when I asked for a female guest to help produce this episode and represent women on International Women's Day. Why did you select Lydia Koidula as the Estonian woman you most think deserving of making an episode on? I think that she has her, her sort of fingerprints all over modern Estonia. Um, of course, there are a lot of women who are deserving and have worked really, really hard to help build Estonia to where it is today. But I think when you're looking at it from maybe a a longer historical perspective, Lydia Koidula sort of sits at the, the front of my mind that way. Okay, great. Well, Lydia Emilia Florentine Janssen, known by her pen name, Lydia Koidula, was born in Vondra, Estonia, on Christmas Eve, 1843. She was the daughter of Johann Valdemar Janssen, founder of Esti Postimes. Hera, can you describe Lydia's upbringing? Her father's yeah. Family? Yeah. So her father is is a very influential figure um, in Estonian history. So like you mentioned, he is the founder of the of Esti Postimes, which was the first Estonian language publication newspaper. Um, so there were two at the time. He founded one in Pernu and then the national one as well. And so he had a lot of sort of power in this movement of kind of the Estonian national awakening. And Lydia was right at the center of that um, and really well connected with her father's friends and exchanged letters with them. Some um, other prominent authors, Friedrich Reinhold Kruzwaltz, who is the author of, so, well, he didn't write it, but putting together Kalivipoeg, the national epic, um, Carl Robert Jakobsen, who was a big proponent of Estonian equality um, in terms of the peasant class. And he's the one who actually gave her her pen name, 
Lydia Koidula, he gave that to her. Mm -hmm. um, and then Jakob Hurt as well, who's a very prominent Estonian folklorist. She was connected to all of these people through her father um, and had the chance to attend one of the first secondary schools for girls in Pernu. Um, so that's sort of her, her upbringing and background. Okay, thanks. I understand you've read Lydia Koidulu's poetry and the Estonian language. Can you describe her work and what they mean to Estonian culture and you personally? Yeah, her, her work, like most work at the time, was really influenced by German literature. Um, and a lot, and some of her work is where she translated German poetry and um, theater drama into Estonian, so that the, the I hesitate to say peasant class, but the working class um, could read it. And so a lot of her work is sort of influenced by German structure and German themes of the time, which isn't that surprising given that Baltic Germans were the ruling class. Um, and so a lot of the more highbrow, if you will, literature would have been in that style. Um, my favorite of hers has to be the, the and probably her most famous is Muisama and Minuarm, um, which is the sort of de facto unofficial national anthem. And I know we're gonna get into that in our conversation a little bit later, but she's also written Esti Muldi Esti Suda, Estonian Soil and Estonian Heart. Um, so some really, I mean, a lot of themes in her work are, are nationalism, I mean, also motherhood. And for me, it has to be Muisaman Minoarm. Every time I, I hear it sung or I read it, it sort of brings tears to my eyes because she captures that what what Estonian patriotism feels like so well in her poetry. Mm -hmm. How did Lydia's work with the theater reflect contemporary concerns in Estonian society? Yeah, so with the Vanamoina Seltz, which is the sort of embryonic theater company, which was founded by her father. Um, it was started by her father, but she sort of took it over. Lydia became known as the founder of Estonian theater, and she wrote the first all Estonian language play, which is called Saturnemuk, which translates to in English, which I think is sort of funny, what a bumpkin. And it talks about a lot of, a lot of contemporary concerns of, at the time, what about educating the, the working class, um, how might education benefit them. And so for the first time in Estonian history, Estonians are able to come to the theater or watch a play in their native language that reflects concerns that they have. And all of this sort of comes together to strengthen cultural awareness. And so in the conversation of nationalism at the time, I think it's sometimes difficult for us now to get a to kind of get a perspective on what people might have been feeling then, because we're acquainted with modern patriotism and, you know, the like for Americans, the Pledge of Allegiance, the national anthem, those sorts of things. But for Estonians in Lydia Koyla's time, this is the first time that these conversations are being had. And so for people to come to the theater, it really strengthened this argument of Estonians have a culture and they have a language that's worth worth, if you will, um, in air quotes, 
preserving and investing in, which a lot, which most of the Baltic Germans and, and people outside of Estonia didn't agree with that, that this is just, you know, for, for farmers and other things and really educated people would invest their time in learning German or French or whatever it is. And so her work really propelled that conversation forward of Estonia has a culture and you can get into discussions about, do you have to have a play in order to have a legitimate culture? I don't think so, but people at the time definitely did. And her work gave not only Estonians a, a point with which to connect to their culture, um, but people on the outside to view Estonians as a legitimate ethnic group. Right, right. In a correspondence with a friend from Finland, Lydia wrote, it is a sin, a great sin to be little in great times when a person can actually make history. Reading that quote from our modern perspective, it is ironic to see this cultural icon of literary history, believing she was such a small person and thought she was too insignificant to change anything. She may have thought that at the time, but in the song festival in 1947, her father's anthem, Mu Isama Ma'un Yarum, was banned, and Lydia's song, Mu Isama on Minu Arm, was sung in protest with a new melody written by Gustav Ernesex. It has been sung to close out every song festival since. As an American with, which has experienced an Estonian song festival, what does it feel like to be in the mass of Estonians and sing this song? Yeah, it's... It's wonderful that it is sort of an indescribable and that, I mean, because I had, before I had gone to the song festival, I attended the song festival in 2019 and I sort of wondered why everyone was always in tears. I don't know. I just, I've never really been someone that's frequently moved to tears, but when you're in that, that group of people and you're singing that song, that means so much to so many people. Um, it is in a way almost like a, for lack of a better term, the spiritual experience um, where you you feel connected to everyone and you feel connected to, um, to their homeland and to their history. And it was a, a real privilege to be able to, to participate in that. How did her presence as a great literary figure shape Estonian women during the Soviet period? Yes, I think this is a fascinating question. So there's a really wonderful article by um, Edgar Koskla, who was in the early 2000s at California State University that talks about um, nationalism and gender roles. And if anybody is interested, the article is called The National Woman Constructing Gender Roles in Estonia. And I believe it was published in the Journal of Baltic Studies. Um, and what he talks about, which I agree with, is you sort of have this dichotomy where Lydia Koidula is remembered now is this very feminine figure who also had this great influence, but while staying in the parameters of femininity. So she's writing all of the all of this poetry, but it is very um poetry tends to be associated with the feminine it's not that she's you know out there shooting guns or fighting wars maybe like we would picture Annie Oakley or something and is has a as a motherhood role she had several children and 
is in communication if you're looking at the at her life with these other men who should wear a big age difference these were her father's friends the men that we already already mentioned so there's a, a big age gap and then looking at their correspondence they sort of treated her less like a colleague and maybe more like a daughter figure um and so if we're tying that back to her quote about to be so little she did tend to think of herself as insignificant and of course I don't think that she understood the impact that her poetry or, or plays or other works were going to have. I don't think anybody can um, when you're in the middle of the middle of it writing it. But altogether, her image is one of of very feminine, but also very patriotic. And so, to contrast that with a lot of the um, propaganda during the Soviet occupation about women as workers women as part of the factory, women who um, are kind of at the, the forefront of pushing the Soviet Union forward, you kind of get an interesting, an interesting dichotomy that way, but you also have the duality with Soviet women of the expectation of also being mothers. Um, and so in terms of how it shaped Estonian gender roles today, or even during this, the Soviet times, which I think is the original question, it, Lydia became a symbol of rebellion, of, of her songs being sung um, when her father's anthem was banned. Um, she sort of cemented herself as the Estonian, the Estonian woman perseveres in the face of occupation, um, in the face of losing your homeland and your language, she became this very, this very feminine figure, but one that also perseveres. And so in terms of shaping gender roles today, I think, I think modern Estonia holds on to, onto that image of the traditional woman, but is also very connected with their homeland, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, thank you. Tara, thank you very much for joining Her Story of Estonia podcast. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun.